Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning to all of us gathered here in the room, and to those of you joining us online, we're glad that you're with us, too. We like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for as long as there have been Christians, I think. The Lord be with you. Thank you. We believe that's true, that God really does meet us here when we gather together to worship him. And he meets you right there, too, wherever you are watching with us. Uh, He meets us in the reality that we live in. Uh, He doesn't meet us in some uh, fantasy land where everything is perfect and Thanksgiving went perfect and your holidays, your your house is all decorated and everything's perfect and the cat hasn't messed anything up. And, you know, uh, he doesn't meet us there in fantasy land. He meets us right where we live, where things are still a mess, where uh, life gets interrupted, where... uh, where sometimes it seems like nothing's going right, but you've made it here. And, uh, and I'm grateful for that. I'm glad that God has gotten you here today. Well, let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin. God, we are grateful for your work in our lives and the ways that you uh, keep on uh, guiding us and strengthening us and uh, providing for us. Um, God, we, we need your help. Uh, we depend on your grace, on your love, on your presence uh, today, just like any other. So thank you that today you've got us here. Uh, Today you've got us gathered together to to sing to you and pray to you, to to listen for you speaking through the scriptures, to gather around the table of our Lord Jesus. God, you've got us here. Now I pray that you would help us to be open to you, that we might be honest with you, that that we might be willing to receive whatever it is that you know we need uh, to get from you today so that our hearts can be healed so that um, we can be strengthened, so that we can have hope. Thank you, God. Uh, move in our hearts today. Uh, speak, to our, speak to our minds today. Strengthen us in every way so that we can leave this place uh, different than we came in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able, interested, let's stand and let's sing as we begin. Chaos back into order. Who makes the orphan 
Blood of Jesus and oh 
Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful for the love you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you for holding nothing back, but out of love for us, going all the way to the cross, giving your life, shedding your blood so that we might be forgiven and set free. To think that you would love us like that, God, is uh, it's pretty amazing. It is amazing grace, unending love that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. Just as we were singing about earlier, God, you laid down your life so I could be set free. Thank you. Thank you, God. Help us today um, not to hold on to sin, not to hold on to guilt and shame, and to hang on to things that, that you died to set us free from. God, help us to, to live in that freedom to experience all of your grace. God, we don't want to just be free of the shame and the guilt, although that is amazing. It is, it is an amazing thing to have those dark clouds uh, rolled away, to, to have those stains washed off our souls, uh, to have that weight lifted off our shoulders. God, that is, that is truly amazing, and we are so grateful for it. And you know, God, there are some of us that we, we keep trying to to heap guilt back on ourselves for things you've already forgiven us for. And please, God, help us not to do that. God, we don't want to stop there. We, we want to live in this freedom that you give us. This, not just free from guilt and shame, but free from sin. Free from, from rolling right back into those, uh, those sinful habits and patterns. God, you set us free to live this new kind of life. A life full of love and joy and peace. Help us, God, to walk into the future that you make possible for us. Thank you, God, that today, as we sing to you and pray to you, as we, as we draw close to you in our hearts, God, you are already here. You have already drawn close to us. It's the reason that we're here. It's because you've drawn us to yourself. And so, God, we pray that you would do that work inside of us that needs to be done, that, that you would change the ways that we've been thinking about ourselves. Some of us, God, perhaps thinking of ourselves a little too highly, thinking we're in charge and we need to see ourselves in a place where we really do exist as, as your creatures, as your children. You're our father, you're our king, you're our God, and, and we're not any of those things. God, some of us, we, we've been thinking way too lowly of ourselves. We've been pushed down and beat up and spit out and so many different things have been done to us, God, that we, we need you today to lift us up to to help us to see just how valuable we are, how much we matter to you and to the people around us. God, please change the ways that we think about ourselves. God, change the way we think about the people around us too. Some that we have, uh, <clears throat> we have kept them at arm's length, God. When you desire to, to draw them close, we have been pushing them away. Some folks in our lives, God, that you have called us to love and to serve, and we've just been... I don't know, God, not seeing it, I guess. Forgive us, God, for the ways that we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Forgive us for the ways that we have allowed other people to, to make us think that those people over there are our enemies and are worthy of our scorn or our hatred or our violence. 
Help us, God, to see that those, that those people are just like us. People loved by you. People in need of your grace, just like we are. Help us, God, not to let other people dictate which side of the lines we stand on. But help us to follow you, Jesus, to love each person that you, that you put us in contact with. God, change the way we think about you, we pray. You know all the mistaken ideas that we get in our heads about who you are, God, and how you live with us, what you want from us. God, help us to, to look at the life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, to, to see in Jesus your grace and your truth, your love on full display. Help us, God, so that we might truly love you with all that we are. Heal us where we're broken, God. Comfort us where we're grieving. Strengthen us where we're weak. Give us wisdom where we've been foolish or where we haven't been, we've been unsure. Give us peace where we've allowed anxieties and fears to, to take over our lives. Give us grace. Give us mercy. Forgive our sins and make us new. We are so grateful for the love you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ, and for your presence with us here today by the Holy Spirit of Christ that has drawn us together into this time of worship. We are so grateful. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thanks. We're going to take a couple minutes to extend that peace to each other, shake someone's hand or give someone a little fist bump there or something, and uh, maybe say the peace of Christ or happy Sunday. All right. A quick word to those of you who are joining us online while the folks here are still finding their way back to seats or coffee or whatever they're grabbing. Uh, we're glad that you're with us today. And uh, since you didn't get a chance to shake our hands just now, we would love to connect with you. Leave us a comment on Facebook or YouTube or, or uh, go to livinghope.info slash connect. You can share something privately with us, some way we can be thanking God with you or praying for you. Or you've got a question you'd like to ask, uh, you, can, you can shoot that our way. Uh, again, that's just at livinghope.info slash connect. It's a little digital connect card. And, and um, any of us in the room can do that same thing, of course. Or you can grab one of those little green cards back there. There's a little table, a bunch of drawers in it, uh, right there by the door. And uh, on top of there, if you did not get one of these, you can get one of these back there, a little bulletin handout. And uh, there's some offering envelopes and some little green cards. If you jot us a note and drop it in the offering box, then we can follow up with you this week. And um, you can let us know you're with us today. And um, if you're giving today, you can drop that in there as well. Um, or you can give online. It's a beautiful thing. And uh, thank you again to all of you who are giving so faithfully uh, to make sure that things can happen uh, here and around the world through the work that's being done here at Living Hope Community Church. Um, one thing some of you have been doing is bringing your, uh, your cold weather clothing and uh, dropping it off out in, the, out in the lobby. Thank you for that. I uh, pray you'll continue to do that as you come across stuff that you think, hey, somebody could use these gloves and I haven't worn them and you're digging them out and you realize, oh, I've got five pairs of these gloves. I only wear one. You can drop some of the others uh, off of the table for someone who doesn't have gloves. And, um, and then some of you have been asking, uh, we're right on the edge of, of the Christmas season, and uh, how many of you have decorated your house or you put some Christmas decorations up at some point? Uh, this side of the room. Okay, nobody over here is decorated for Christmas. All right. Um, 
that's funny. Um, yeah, that right after Thanksgiving is when my wife likes to get the tree up and all that kind of stuff. So we, we got that done uh, this weekend. Um, and I had some of you asking, hey, what are we doing Christmas Eve's on a Sunday this year? And uh, we do a, every year we do a Christmas Eve service in the evening at like 5 p.m. with candlelight and, and Christmas carols and the Christmas story and communion and, and, uh, and Christmas cookies. Those aren't for us. I guess I'll tell you that in a minute. But, but since it's on a Sunday, we're just going to do one combined service that morning. Uh, 10 o'clock sounded good. So we're going we're gonna to shoot for 10 o'clock to do one, one service on Sunday morning, um, in part because usually there's a bunch of people that, you know, like travel, make their way out. Who knows? Maybe this will be a year that we have a bunch of people visiting and coming in. It might get crowded. So uh, don't wait till 10.05 to walk in uh, on Christmas Eve. But we'll see how that goes. So we're going to do one combined service in the morning and then our candlelight service that night. Uh, I mentioned Christmas cookies. Uh, every year what we do is we invite those of you who love make Chris- to make Christmas cookies to make some and bring some, and then we box them up, and after our Christmas Eve service, we invite you to take them to someone who needs some Christmas cheer. Maybe it's somebody working the holiday, and they don't get a chance to take that day off. Uh, maybe it's somebody who you know they are all by themselves, and they just need someone to, you know, it gives you an opportunity to have some way to reach out just to say that you care, that you, that you love them. We, we put a little uh, note in there saying it's a gift from Living Hope, and you know, let us know if there's some way we can serve you. Uh, it's not like a hard sell kind of a thing. It's just a box of Christmas cookies. So if you want to make Christmas cookies and bring them uh, that morning, then that afternoon we'll box them up, and that night uh, we'll take them to, to people who need them. And then, uh, oh, and uh, that next Sunday is New Year's Eve. We'll probably do the same thing in the morning. We'll probably just do one combined service at 10, and... Uh, no evening service, so New Year's Eve, you can do your own thing. Um, but, uh, but that morning, we'll probably just do one service. We haven't kind of nailed that down, but that's, that's, that's a pretty good guess if you want to put that in your calendar. All right, and then uh, Habitat for Humanity, uh, we still, you still have the opportunity to give to that and, uh, and to help build it if you want to uh, get your hands dirty. Uh, there's a link to that on our website at livinghope.info, or if you want to give to the Habitat Fund, if you're giving online, you can just hit that old drop down to give to Habitat, or if you're giving in here, you can write Habitat on your envelope, um, make the check out to the church and just write Habitat on the envelope, and then we'll put one big combined gift together for them at the end of the year and um yeah and there's somebody in the church that's matching your donation and so if you give 10 bucks that'll turn into 20 and then i think it's the von tobel foundation is that who's doing it i think they're the ones that are matching all the donations to these faith builds up to i don't know like 50 grand or something so your 10 bucks will turn into 20 which then will turn into 40 so um yeah it's worth putting something in even if you're like i can't give a lot some of you do some of you give like 500 bucks or more um some of you give five bucks or ten bucks, and that's valuable, okay? Uh, it's a good thing to, to contribute in some way. And then you, you'll be able to say down the road, oh, yeah, that house that got built in the, you know, the winter of 23 and 24 up there in South Haven, I helped build that. You'll be able to say that because you gave toward the Habitat Fund uh, this Christmas. So I'm, uh, I'm thrilled that we've gotten invited to, to be a part of that. Um, I feel like there was something else I was going to mention, maybe just that uh, the Wednesday night activities are back on this week. I forgot to mention last week that they weren't happening. I don't think anyone showed up expecting Wednesday night stuff last week. Uh, you really got to look at the little calendar on the front of these to, to know what's coming. Uh, and there is a, there's a new women's Bible study starting this Tuesday afternoon. It's just going to run through Christmas. Uh, if any of you ladies are available Tuesday afternoons, like at 1.30 and want to participate, let us know. Um, or just show up Tuesday, I guess. And if you don't have a book, that's okay. Um, but uh, if you'd like a book, they'll try to get one for you if you let us know now. Um, I think that's it by way of announcements, I think. And no one's flagging me down to say otherwise, so all right. Um, 
I'm kind of curious what sorts of things you found yourselves thankful for as you were uh, spending a little extra time focused on gratitude this past week. I assume you did that. I assume that at some point this last week with the uh, Thanksgiving holiday, most of us probably got some kind of a break or did something different. Maybe you got together with some people. Uh, maybe you ate more than usual. I don't know, or different stuff than usual. I never eat cranberries except for Thanksgiving. Um, uh, anybody? Uh, I, I'm just kind of curious what kinds of things you were thankful for. Um, I'm asking this not because I need you to shout it out, but maybe I just want you to be kind of thinking about who are some of the people you found yourselves thankful for, some of the people in your lives, some of the circumstances, the good things that God did for you that you found yourselves thankful for. Maybe you're looking back over the past year and thinking, you know what, God, you really did. You, you brought me through some stuff this last year. I, I went through a pretty low valley, and now, God, I'm, I'm seeing my way out of it. Um, and you're thanking God for that. Uh, I've been trying to keep that emphasis on things that I'm thankful for, even as we've been making our way through the letter to Hebrews. It's, it's not a real thanks-heavy book uh, of the Bible. Um, this letter to the Hebrews is all about the, the new work that God is doing through Jesus. And so that's today. I have to pick a title each week. And so that's what I put today was thankful for God's new work, because God does continue to do new things for us. Uh, God didn't just do stuff for us a long time ago. All right? God is still doing work for us today here and now in our lives, um, and I'm thankful for that. Um, now, it starts out, I've, I think I've quoted these verses every, uh, every Sunday this month, uh, and so why stop now? So Hebrews starts out with chapter 1 saying, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, Sustaining all things by his powerful word. We believe this. As Christians, this is what we believe. That Jesus was not just a, a wonderful teacher who taught some wonder, a wonderful way to live or lived a fantastic moral example. We believe that Jesus truly is the son of God. And that when, if you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus and you see in Jesus, wow, that's what our heavenly father is like. That's why Jesus said at one point, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. He, he perfectly reflects God's goodness, God's truth, God's beauty, God's love. And, um, and Jesus is this culmination of all that God was doing. So, you know, we've been this year in this journey through the Bible. And if you've ever tried reading through the Bible, uh, you know that that first, like, two-thirds of it, three-fourths of it, the part we call the Old Testament, can be uh, pretty challenging to get through, right? And we spent a good chunk of our year making our way through the first, that first part of it. Not every bit of it. You know, each, each month we took a different book of the Bible. And if you missed it, you can go back and watch it on YouTube, I guess. If you really need something to binge watch, uh, you, could, you could do that. But, um, you know, finally when we get to Jesus, we see, oh, Jesus now is like making good on some promises that God made a long time ago. And some of the, the, the agreements that God had made uh, with the people of Israel, like Jesus is now like fulfilling all of that. Uh, the author of the Hebrews gets into that, and the good folks at the Bible Project made a nice little video. Now, this video is not specifically about the book of Hebrews, uh, but it does talk about this idea of what Jesus does for us. And uh, so I want us to spend five minutes watching that this morning. If you've been around Christians, you've probably heard of the idea of having a personal relationship with God, which could mean different things in the Bible, like having God as a friend, or your father, or maybe your teacher. But there's one particular way that the Bible talks about this relationship that you find all over. But strangely, we don't talk about it that much. And that's the idea of a partnership with God. A partnership like working alongside someone to accomplish a goal together. Right. And this is actually what you see at the beginning of the Bible. God creates this good world full of all of this potential. 
And then God appoints these unique creatures, humans, as his partners in bringing more and more goodness out of all that potential. But the humans don't want to partner with God. They rebel and try to create a world on their own terms. And so this broken partnership is the Bible's explanation for why we're stuck in a world of corruption and injustice and the tragedy of death. It's not like there's just one or two humans who have bailed on this relationship. In the story of the Bible, everyone has abandoned the partnership with God. So what God does is select a smaller group of people out of the many, and he makes a new partnership with them called a covenant. And in a covenant, God makes promises, and then in exchange asks his partner to fulfill certain commitments. And the purpose of all of this is to somehow use this covenant relationship to renew his partnership with everybody else. Now, there are actually four times in the Old Testament that we're told God initiates a covenant relationship with Noah, Abraham, the nation of Israel, and King David. And it's through these that God is forming a covenant family into which all people will eventually be invited. So let's see how these work. The first one is with Noah. So in this story, God has just brought the flood to cleanse the world of humanity's corruption. And Noah and his family are the only ones left. And so God makes a covenant with Noah saying, listen, I know that humans will continue to be evil, but despite that, I'm not going to destroy it like this again. Instead, the earth will be this reliable place for us to work together. Great, so what does Noah have to do? Nothing. And that's what's so interesting about this first covenant is that God is promising to be faithful even though he knows humans won't be. The next time we see God make a covenant is with a man named Abraham. God chooses him, promises to bless him, give him a large family, lots of land where they can flourish. And in return, God asks Abraham to trust him and train up his family to do what is right and just. And the whole reason for this covenant is God says that somehow he's going to bring his blessing to all families of the world through this one family. So that's Abraham. The next time we see God make a covenant is when Abraham's family grows into the tribe of Israel. And this covenant is with the whole tribe. God asks them to obey a set of laws, which are these guidelines for living well as a community of God's partners. And if they do this, then God promises to bless them and that they will become a people who then represent him to the rest of humanity. That's the covenant with Israel. The last covenant is with King David. Yeah, the tribe of Israel has become this large nation ruled by David. And God asked David and his descendants to partner with him by leading Israel in obeying the laws and doing what is right and just. And God promises that one day, one of David's sons will come and extend God's kingdom of peace and blessing over all the nations. So those are the four covenants that God makes in order to restore his partnership with the whole world. But here's what happens. Israel breaks the covenant. They worship other gods, they allow horrible injustice, and so they lose their land and are forced off into exile. So it seems hopeless. But during this time, Israel's prophets talked about a day when God would restore these covenants in spite of Israel's failure, somehow. Yeah, they called it the new covenant. And this is actually what's so interesting about Jesus is that he's introduced into this story as the one who fulfills all of these covenant relationships. We're told that he's from the family of Abraham, and so he will bring the blessings of that family to the whole world. We're told that he's the faithful Israelite who is able to truly obey the law. And we're told that he's the king from the line of David, and so he goes about extending God's kingdom of justice and peace to all. And that's really remarkable for one guy. Yeah, and what it highlights is perhaps the most surprising claim of all made about this man, that Jesus is no mere human, 
but rather God become human. And God did this in order to be that faithful covenant partner that we are all made to be, but have failed to be. And so through Jesus, God has opened up a way for anyone to be in a renewed partnership with him. So Jesus calls people to follow him and become part of this new covenant family. And despite their failures, Jesus is committed to making them into partners who are becoming more and more faithful. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a fully renewed world, full of goodness and peace. And there's this renewed humanity there, partnering together with God to expand the goodness of his creation. And so the end of the Bible story is really a new beginning. And the end of the Bible story is where we go next Sunday with uh, the book of Revelation. So if you've been uh, waiting all year for us to finally get to the book of Revelation, uh, next Sunday, <laughs> next Sunday we start that. So uh, I would promise that all your questions about the book of Revelation and the end times and all that will be answered, but that'd be a lie. So, uh, but we are going to spend a month, we are going to spend a month looking at it uh, together. So, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, this idea that Jesus uh, is the one who mediates this new covenant is something that ha- we see over and over and over again in the, the letter to the Hebrews. I mean, that seems to be the point. It's written to Hebrew people, people who had grown up as a part of the old covenant, who had centered their life and their relationship with God around the temple and the sacrifices that would be made there and what the, the work that the priests could do as the ones who, who went between us and God to, uh, so that our sins could be forgiven and so our prayers could be lifted up to God and, and all the rest. And... Uh, and over and over in Hebrews, we're, we're shown how Jesus, um, this new covenant through Jesus is, is better than that old covenant. Uh, in fact, in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 8, uh, it puts it like this. It says, uh, and we're kind of jumping in the middle. It says, in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is a superior to theirs. He's talking about the old priests and the people who mediated the old covenant. Uh, the ministry that Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, and then he quotes Jeremiah chapter 31, Jeremiah that we spent a month looking at uh, earlier this year, says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. And he says, by calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. I was reminded of this this morning. uh, I'm scrolling through Facebook uh, as I'm in the bathroom. Sorry, that part was too much information. Anyway, I was scrolling through Facebook this morning, and I came across a friend who used to live here who's moved away now, and he was, had a picture. He had been uh, going through one of his, uh, I don't know, drawers at his house, and he'd found all these old cords, all these old charging cables and connectors and all of this, and he went through them all, and he realized, okay, these two are still connect to, like, the phone that I have or the devices I use, and all of these don't connect to anything we have in the house anymore. Why am I holding on to all these old 
chords. Um, I have this problem where I tend to just kind of keep things. I'll pile them up and then I'll put them in a bag and I'll put them somewhere I don't see them and then they just kind of live there for the next 20 years until, <laughs> until finally Stacy says, we need to put something else in the basement. You need to get some stuff out of the basement. And so then I, I just recently done the same thing where I found all these and like, oh, yeah, we don't need that anymore. And I kind of feel like that's what's going on here for the author to the Hebrews. I feel like he's saying, look, you're, you've been holding on to stuff that we don't, like, we've, we've upgraded you know, we don't need those cords anymore. God's doing something new now through Jesus. And so the fact that this old covenant is, is done is not something we need to necessarily grieve, which I'm sure they were grieving. Either We don't know exactly when this letter to the Hebrews was written, but the idea that that old covenant was obsolete and outdated, would soon disappear, was something they experienced in the year 70, 70 AD, like 40 years or so after Jesus died and rose again, uh, when the Romans came to Jerusalem and destroyed it and destroyed the temple. The whole idea of going to the temple in Jerusalem and offering your sacrifice and the priests there working in the temple and, and offering that sacrifice to God or entering into the, the most holy place, the holy of holies inside the temple where God was said to dwell, that all went bye-bye. I mean, that's just, it's just not there anymore. Hasn't been for a couple thousand years now. And um, the, the people of... Uh, um, the people who followed Jesus, who recognized Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah, um, you know, eventually that became this religion that we're a part of today called Christianity. And uh, the Jews who did not accept Jesus as the Messiah, they had to figure out a new way to practice their faith. And, uh, but he's writing to people who have recognized Jesus as the Messiah. And he's saying, look, that, that old way of doing things is gone now. And that's okay because we have Jesus we have the new covenant put into practice here and now where, where he's not just giving you laws from the outside, shouting them at you from the sky or sending them to you on a prophet, putting them on tablets of stone. Now he's writing them on our hearts. He's, he's placing them in our minds. He's changing us from the inside out. And maybe your approach to, uh, to Christian faith has been more old covenant-ish than new covenant-ish. I don't know. Maybe, maybe your approach to faith has been like, well, I've got this list of rules. I've got to follow all these rules. I've got to make sure I avoid all those things. And if I do that, then God and me are okay. And if that's the way you've approached things, I mean, it's like holding on to one of those old cords and trying to find a place to plug it in because God isn't, that's not how God works anymore. God wants to change you from the inside out wants to change your heart, wants to change the things that you desire, the, the things that you find, give, give your allegiance to, wants to, wants to change you on the inside, as we prayed earlier, to change our imaginations, the way we think of ourselves and our neighbors, and change the way we think about God, and change, that does, that does work its way out in the way that you live. Jesus was real clear about that, right? He said what's, what goes on in the heart uh, is what comes out of you, and so he said it's not what like, it's not so much about the words you speak as what goes on in the heart, because then if your heart's changed, then it'll change the words that come out of you. If, you're, if, you're, if you make the tree good, then it'll produce good fruit, he said on more than one occasion. And so we're living in this time where Jesus is um, <clears throat> he's making good on all those agreements that we failed to, to, where we failed to keep our commitments. He has been faithful. Where we were unfaithful, he has been faithful. And so now God has forgiven our wickedness, is remembering our sins no more, which, I don't know about you, but uh, I am extremely grateful for that. Yeah. And, uh, and he doesn't do it, the author of Hebrews says repeatedly, he doesn't do it by like the same way that the old temple priests did, by every year they'd have to offer a sacrifice for, for their own sins and for the sins of the people. He says, no, Jesus did this once for all when he gave himself. 
fact, he says that, uh, that what Christ has done, um, it's like he's, he's ministering in this heavenly temple, that all this, the temple and the tabernacle and all of that on earth was just kind of a shadow of what the, the reality that exists with God. And, and so um, that's, he talks about that in the next chapter, in Hebrews chapter 9. I, I think I started in verse 13 here. He says, but when Christ came as a high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that's not made with human hands. He's talking about that heavenly tabernacle or temple. As to say, it's not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, like the priest did in the Old Testament, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. He says, you know, that stuff may be dealt with outward things, but now again, he's, he's cleansing our consciences. He's changing us from the inside out. I know sometimes we sing songs like we sang earlier, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus uh, was one of the songs that, uh, that Doug and Mary picked for us this morning. And, uh, you know, great, great old song, but sometimes that can strike us a little weird, right? You know, it's like, why are we singing about blood and blood that makes us clean? Like, I've never bled on something and it was cleaner than, uh, than before, you know, and that's something I got to clean up then. I got to wash. It's, um, occasionally our boys, you know, we have nosebleeds or scrapes and bumps and it's like, oh, and now it's on the couch and now we got to clean this up and it's a mess, right? And so we have these, like, we gather together and sing about Jesus' blood it can kind of strike us as weird. In fact, what's that, what's that song about there's a... Uh, oh, what is that old hymn about like the fountain, fountain filled with blood? And I can't remember now how that song goes, but it's a pretty gruesome image. You know, if you think about like a fountain, it's like a horror movie or something, you know. Um, But talking about it making us clean because this is where it comes from. It comes from this connection to the Old Testament sacrifices where the blood of animals was said to to purify the, the temple and those who would enter the temple. And now Jesus has shed his blood. He has died. He's given his life so that we can be made clean, so that we can be sanctified or made holy, so that we can be forgiven, so our consciences can be cleansed. We no longer have a guilty conscience over the things that we've done in the past. We can, we can know, nope, I've been forgiven of that. And God sets us free from that guilt and shame that's weighed us down. So that, what did, what did he say? So that we may serve the living God. Not so that we can follow a bunch of rules that, and, and like... I'm a big fan of the Bible. Obviously, we preach from it every single week. I encourage you to read it on your own. I hope that you've been reading the book of Hebrews this month or listening to it or something. Um, But our relationship isn't with like an old book, right? Our relationship was with the living God. And yes, God's Holy Spirit speaks to us today through that book, just like God spoke to the people who wrote it and spoke to the original hearers of it. He still speaks to us today as we read this book, as we read what he's revealed about himself and about us in it. But it's a, it's a living God who wants a relationship with us, a partnership with us. So we can serve the living God. He says, for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Jesus died as a ransom to set you free, to set me free. A few verses later, he says, just as people are destined to die once 
and after that to face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, he's done that, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. This is what what we're anticipating. There's a work that's already begun, this work of salvation, as Jesus is making things right. He's making things right in us, and as we partner with him, he is making things right in the world as we live lives of love, lives of grace. That looks more like the life he created us to live, right? The, The life from the video, more of, of planting good things than of ripping them up, uh, right? But we know that that work isn't complete and will never reach its full completion until he returns to make all things right, to bring that salvation to those who are waiting for him. That waiting for him, I, I, sometimes maybe we interpret that as laziness, like, yep, I'm just waiting for Jesus to come back. I'm just going to sit back. I got nothing I got to do. You know, Jesus is going to do all that work. And if, if that's the mode you've lived in, um, maybe the book of Hebrews can help snap you out of that because that's not what he means by waiting for him. It's, a, it's an active waiting. It's a, uh, it's a, that waiting for him means I've got confidence in you, Jesus, that you're able to, to do this even when I've not been able to, that, that you're setting the pace and you're leading the way. And, and yes, I'm looking forward to you uh, finishing the work, but until then, you know, we're partnering with you and we're following you. It's a living God who's still active and at work in the world today. And we get to partner with him. Now, that, that bit earlier there where it says, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, um, that's one thing that we didn't really spend a lot of time with this, uh, this month in the book of Hebrews. And if you've read Hebrews, you, uh, you know there are some parts in there that are, I mean, they're pretty much about, their emphasis on the judgment side in there. Uh, I think it was last week or the week before I said that, you know, it, it does a good job of kind of balancing the, the good news of God's grace and the, and the warning and the challenge to, like, avoid sin and to avoid turning away from God. There are consequences for that. None of us know how long we have. None of us know when our time is going to come. And what we're told is that one, once that happens, once we reach that point, you know, we don't know when Jesus is going to return, but most likely, if, uh, if we keep going the way we have, if he waits a little bit longer, most of us in this room are going to meet him uh, when we die, <laughs> not, not when he returns. We're going to meet him before that. We'll come face to face with him. And there is a judgment. There's a moment there. Um, what was it earlier in Hebrews, and was that in chapter 4, where he talks about like everything being stripped away and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account? <laughs> you know, one day that's going to be me. One day that's going to be you standing there before God having to answer for our lives. And uh, when that time comes, we want to be able to say, yep, I've had confidence in Jesus. We want to be able to stand there confident in his love for us because of Jesus, because we've been trusting in him, because we know our sins have been forgiven. Our, our consciences are, are washed clean, right? We, we don't have that weighing on us. So we'll be excited to appear before God. And even those ways that we have failed and fallen short, we know we've got this high priest who is able to empathize with our weaknesses as we've looked at in past weeks. And so that's why we, as, as Hebrews 10 says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. We talked about that last week. But again, we see this day coming. So with the day coming, with the day of judgment, the day of Christ's return, in anticipation of that, the way that we live is encouraging each other. Not not sitting back, just doing nothing, but spurring each other on toward love, toward good deeds. We're getting involved in the work that God is doing 
in the world. There's another moment where he kind of looks ahead. In Hebrews chapter 12, he says, Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And you can read the, the context for what he's talking about there. He says, we're receiving this kingdom, this kingdom that's coming. He says, that's eternal. It can't be shaken. It won't be, it won't be shaken loose. <laughs> he said, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. He says, he's, he's coming with an eternal kingdom for us so we can be thankful. Thankful for his love, thankful for his grace, thankful for the new and continued work that he does in our hearts and in our lives. Thankful that we get to be a part of what he's doing. I got to say, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful that for the role I get to play, the job I get to have as, as pastor of this church. I know not everybody, you know, I'm the only one in this room today that gets, to, gets that job. Um, both uh, Pastor Judy and Romeo, our youth director, they're both out other places today. Um, and so I know all of, you know, like, I, I'm, I'm thankful I get to be your pastor um, because I very regularly get to see the ways that God is at work, and I, and I kind of in concrete ways get to partner with him in that. But that's not something that's just for pastors. That's something that's for all of us. We, we all get to partner with God and the work he's doing in the world. And sometimes, actually, I just had one of you today saying, like, hey, you might hopefully soon get to see me with a, a friend. I've been talking to this friend about, you know, I've been singing the praises of our church. You know, and, and, you know, I've been coming here for a while now, and I've been encouraging them to come. We used to go to church together in another church. Now they're not going anywhere just like I wasn't for a while. And, and you know, you, you get to see the way that God is at work through you. Uh, some of you getting to build that house with Habitat. Some of you getting to serve uh, uh, with the uh, overnight warming center we're going to do in January and February. Oh, by the way, that's one thing I did not get in the announcements. That's what I wanted to say. I knew there was something in the back of my head, like, you know, there's something else. Um, on, uh, what did I say, Thursday, December 7th, I want to say. I'm checking my calendar to make sure I got that right, because I did not get it into the bulletin yet. Thursday, December 7th, yes. So if you want to write that in, that night at 6.30... We're going to have a little Q&A session here and a little introduction to that. If you're curious about that warming center, we're going to be offering January and February. Every night for those two months, we're going to be having people that need a warm place to stay warm, to not die outside in the cold. They're going to be sleeping on our church floors. We did it this last winter. We're going to do it this winter, just those two months, January and February. And, uh, and, uh, and then hopefully by that next winter, uh, the, new, the new shelter and warming center will be built. And we won't need to do that on our floors again. So Thursday, December 7th at 6.30 right here, and we'll get the word out in different ways, and I know there are people from other churches and from no church that are just part of the community that helped us last year that have been curious and want to know more, and uh, so if you just have questions about it, and if there's five of us sitting here that have questions and all the rest of you are like, oh no, I, I know what you're doing, it's fine, uh, but if there's however many of us there are that have questions that night, we'll just be talking about what we plan to do, how it's going to be a little different this year, and uh, how you might be a part of it. Uh, that'll be Thursday, December 7th at 6.30, right here. All right. These are all ways that we find ourselves partnering with God. I, I mentioned that, it came to mind because that's one of those ways. You know, all you're doing is like staying up at night so that the people in the other room can sleep uh, and be warm. But I don't know about you, but like when I've done that, I have this sense like, thank you, God, that I get to partner with you in helping people who need help and helping them to know that they're loved and cared for and helping them to know that they're not forgotten and abandoned and cast aside so that they know that, like, because they, they see concretely, hey, there's some other human beings that care. And just to let you know, when it's a church that does that, then their thoughts turn to, and maybe there's something to this whole God thing that these church folks are talking about. Maybe Jesus, maybe there's something to this whole story. Maybe God loves me too. Maybe I can have hope. Maybe there is more 
than just what I see and the difficulties I see around me. Since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. All right, uh, mentioned this blessing before, but uh, since we're saying goodbye to Hebrews after today, I wanted to end with it again uh, this morning. In Hebrews chapter 13, it's right near the end of the book, he says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus. He, he shed his blood for us, he died for us, but God raised him from death. He conquered sin and death and the devil. The God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Again, he is changing us from the inside out. He does this through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray before we celebrate communion together today. God, we are... So grateful for the new work that you accomplished in your son, Jesus Christ, and for the work you continue to do today as we say yes to you, as we admit to you our need for your forgiveness, our need for your mercy and grace, as we acknowledge the ways that, God, we have not loved you with our whole heart, soul, mind, strength. We've not loved our neighbors as ourselves. God, for some of us, uh, we've got a pretty long list of ways that we have hurt ourselves and the people around us. And the guilt of that, the shame of that, it colors everything that we do. And today, God, you want to forgive us. You want to cleanse our consciences from those acts that lead to death. You want to wash that guilt and that shame right off of us. And help us to live in this world as a people who know that we are loved by you. As a people who know that the God who made us has not condemned us, but out of love has sent his son Jesus for us to, to take our sin on himself and to die on that cross so that we can be forgiven and set free. Thank you, God, that in your son Jesus Christ you through his death and resurrection, you defeated the powers of sin and death and you won the victory for us. So help us today, God, to come to you to receive that mercy and grace. For some of us, God, it's, it's, <laughs> we've been living in a relationship with you now for, for decades and it's just, you, you just keep fine-tuning us, God. You just keep pointing out things, you know, the, hey, this past week or hey, this morning, some things that aren't quite right and some attitudes that continue to need shifting or some behaviors that need change, some, some ways that you continue to change our hearts and our lives as we trust and follow you. And God, we, we want to cooperate with you. We want to listen. We want to obey. We want to allow you to continue to change us. For some of us, God, it might, be, it might be the first time ever that we've acknowledged that we need your forgiveness and mercy and grace. Thank you, God. Whether it's our first time or our thousandth time, that, that today your mercy and grace are freely available. That today we can, we can connect with you in this relationship of love experience your grace and this newness of life. We can live in this freedom. Thank you, God. Embraced as your children, filled with the Spirit of Christ.
to live in this world as the body of Christ. It is a beautiful thing. And God, we are incredibly grateful. Thank you for the sacrament of Holy Communion that we get to celebrate today, offering to you these gifts of bread and juice, believing that by your Spirit's presence with us, we meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood, offering you ourselves, trusting that by your Spirit's continued work in us that we might be changed from the inside out to live in this world as the body of Christ. Thank you, God. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Doug and Mary are going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice, and eat it, and return to your seats. It's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. If you need the little gluten-free wafers, they're the round ones here in the basket. Or if you, uh, if you can't make your way forward or would rather not, then I think on most of the tables we should have the little cups that you can peel it back and get to the bread, peel it back and get to the juice. Uh, again, this is for all of us saying yes to Jesus today. And, um, and, and Kevin, I didn't get a chance to ask you earlier, but I, I felt like God was impressing on me. That, would you like to help me serve communion today? Sure. I'll hold the basket and you hold the cup. Okay. All right. All right. So you can come forward and take, take. Even even the disciples were weirded out when you said that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice, and eat it, and return to your seats. Let's give thanks. Let's celebrate the love of God that's shown to us in Jesus Christ.
We do give thanks to you, God, once again, for the amazing love you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Again, I pray, would you fill us with the spirit of Christ so that this week, this season, as we move toward Christmas and the end of a year, all the different people that you will have us in contact with, God, so that these can be um, moments where we get to share your grace and your love with each person, each person you send us to. You are so good, God. We are so grateful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.